0: Hey, what's going on everyone? Welcome to another episode of About Abroad where it's my job to introduce you to people who have built amazing lives for themselves in various foreign corners of the globe. We're talking with expats and thought leaders about moving abroad, remote work, visas, and all the fun and practical knowledge that you need to know to follow in their footsteps. If you've ever dreamed of making a life for yourself overseas, maybe working remotely or embracing long-term travel retiring or studying abroad, or even just taking a peek inside life beyond your borders, you've landed in the right place. This episode is brought to you in partnership with my friends over at Kona. Those of you that have been listening to the show for a long time know that I am a huge fan of the remote work movement. However, I also recognize it comes with some challenges. One of those challenges that plagues many remote teams is employee burnout, or employee dissatisfaction with their jobs. This is really hard to monitor as a leader when your teammates are not sitting face to face with you in an office anymore. But that's what Kona was built to tackle and they've done a phenomenal job. The co-founders over there are friends and people who have truly built something to help people and help remote workers more specifically. So I love what they're doing. It makes a huge impact for their customers and I'm excited to partner with them here. You can find out more and get 15% off your team subscription by going to the link in the show notes and using the code chase at checkout. Feel free to ask me any questions. I highly recommend this product and am excited to hear what the About Abroad community thinks. Check out the link in the show notes and use the code chase at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. My guest today is my friend Kara who joins me from sunny Spain, but she's originally from Germany. And as many of you might know, I just spent almost a year in Germany after living for nearly five years in Spain. So we wanted to dive into some of the fun differences between two amazing European countries. Uh, talk about some of Kara's experiences raising a family in southern Spain in Andalusia, one of the most beautiful and popular places to go and one of the most beautiful and popular countries in the world. And, uh, and talk about some of the surprises that maybe you don't think of when you're thinking about moving abroad. Uh, Kara also works at a company called WorkFlex that's doing some really cool things in the workation future of workspace. So we dove into a bit of that as well. A lot of the things that we love to talk about all wrapped up into one episode here on About Abroad. So I think you all will enjoy this one. Please help me in welcoming Kara to About Abroad. Yeah, so you guys are about to go on a little holiday vacation there from, you're based in Sevilla, is that right?
1: Yeah, exactly. I'm based in Seville. Okay. So
0: where do you, where does one go on vacation from Seville? One of the, uh, you know, most visited countries or visited cities in the, in one of the most visited countries in the world.
1: Yeah. So, um, so I have two kids, or we have two kids, three and four. And what we're going to do is we're just going to take the car and do one hour drive and, and go to a hotel close to the beach. Um, you know, totally relax with gym with, with good food. And uh, a kids club where we can, uh, you know, <laughs> leave the kids for a little while, and um, yeah, it's mainly going to be our plan.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess uh, this is one of the many benefits of living in the uh, in the south of Spain, right? Like you, you drive one hour. You're uh, first of all, you're in an amazing city in Seville, uh, and then you drive an hour, and you're in, you know, along some of the most beautiful coastline that you can possibly find.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, so my mother-in-law, she has an apartment uh, at the beach, which is like an hour drive away. So we use that every weekend. and um, But only like since I have kids, I really appreciate it a lot more, you know, how sometimes also when you have something, you don't really appreciate it. So every time I wanted to go on holiday, I wanted to go to like Dubai or maybe I want to go to the States or maybe I want to go to Paris. And then I, I realized, you know, I have everything, you know, next door. And why not use it? So, um, it's going to be the first time actually, we're going to do a longer holiday close by, um, but usually we use it, um, you know, during the weekend as well.
0: Uh, sounds amazing. Um, where, where is like the closest beach from Seville? Cause like it's, it not like, I think a lot of people actually think that it's a coastal city and it's, it's not, it's a, it's a little bit inland. I don't know if you found that, but.
1: It's, it's around an hour drive um so you know the closest by you probably everyone knows is uh, cadiz and um you know it's it's around two hour drive to malaga because i also know that a lot of people know malaga but um yeah it's true it doesn't have the the beach right um next door but an hour drive away which i think is also you know fine
0: yeah, yeah, it's it's super nice, uh, and Cadiz is amazing. It, like that's a that's an underrated place, I think, uh, maybe off the radar still for a lot of like non Spanish people. But one of the coolest uh, coastal towns in Spain, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, definitely, it's beautiful. Although I have to say, like over the last couple of years, I've seen a lot more tourists coming into Andalusia. Um, and typically what they do is do like sort of a, you know, trip around Andalusia, so like Seville, Malaga, Marbella, Granada, um, because it has so much, um, diversity, right? So I also think that a lot of people don't know that there's also, you know, the possibility to ski <laughs> in South Spain, um, close to Granada. So that's usually what, um, a lot of tourists do is just do a, a route through Andalusia, but there's really some, some great places I have to say. Yeah, you're totally right.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's like, that was totally mind blowing to me. When I first moved to Spain, I came to Andalusia also like that was, I came on a three month tourist visa kind of scouting it out. And I didn't know that you could go skiing there in the Sierra Nevada. Like you could be sitting up there in the mountains, like looking across the Mediterranean at Africa, see Africa from these mountains. And an hour later be like surfing on the Costa del Sol. Like I, I don't even, I can't quite comprehend all of the possibilities here. <laughs>
1: Yeah, totally true. Totally true.
0: Was this attractive for you? Like, is there, uh, I know you're, if I understand correctly, your husband's Spanish, but like, was this, did you, were you pulled to Spain? Um, or, or is that like, uh, you know, it it just happened because of, of the relationship?
1: Yeah. So I think a a bit of both. And I also remember I said to myself, I'm not going to move just for my husband to a country because I'm, definitely they're not going to be happy long-term there, you know, because you do it for somebody else. I think you also have to be like, um, happy to do your move yourself, but certainly like, um, so I did my semester abroad in Seville, decided not to in love, but then I did like it, you know, and, um, and then actually we were like quite some years a distance relationship. And then we actually moved together to Germany for a couple of years as well. So like five years. And then, um, yeah, then it was more sort of my husband saying, you know, I struggle a little bit with the German winter and uh, the German culture at some point, because in Seville, it's all about, you know, being on a street, socializing, good weather, beach close by. So it's definitely a different. And then I said, yeah, okay, let's give it a try. I think, um Uh, back then I had a little bit of a struggle, um, you know, because I had to change jobs. So back then I was working at a very uh, big employer, which was Unilever. I had like the greatest position ever doing marketing, cool brands. I was living my life in terms of work. um, And I had to really, you know, make some cuts there when I moved to Seville. But um, I think for me, it was still a good move to do because it is a it's a perfect mixture now of um, work and life balance, like you always like to call it. And um, yeah, I'm really enjoying it.
0: How long have you been there?
1: I've been here now for seven years.
0: Okay, yeah. So you're you're deeply settled in now. This isn't like a like a one two year little adventure where the 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 luster and novelty could have or maybe has worn off, and it's just like real life now.
1: Yeah, totally. And um, like a couple of weeks ago, I was counting how many years I've already lived abroad and I already make like 10 years. So a decade, which is also like, wow, um, I've actually lived almost a third of my life. So now you can calculate how old I am more or less, but um, abroad. And uh, it's crazy, right? But I was always the kind of person that liked to, you know, adapt to different cultures, live in different cultures. Um, I, first time I went abroad was when I was 16. So I went to New Zealand, which was like very far away. Um, And I remember, um, so an agency organized this, you know, how it's typical students agency organizer that people go abroad. And I remember we did like sort of a workshop before we went abroad with the parents and the kids. And you would talk about, you know, what are you afraid of when you're gonna move abroad? And um, they would split up the parents and the kids. So they would ask the parents, what are you afraid of, of your kid going abroad? And I remember after the workshop, my dad told me that and he said, well, a lot of parents were scared that the people are not going to like it. The kids are not going to like it. They're going to miss home. And I think I was the only one that said, oh, I'm afraid she's not going to come back. <laughs> she's definitely going to like it because she's always like traveling. I love traveling. Um, and um, yeah, it's just always been me sort of like far away from Germany, still connected to Germany, but still um, enjoying a lot more of the life abroad than really in my home country, to be honest.
0: We have so many things, like as we've gotten to know each other a little bit over the last year or so, um, I always find we have like lots of little things in common. And so that is one more that I think is kind of funny. Like I didn't go abroad until I was 18. Um, And the first place I went was uh, technically New Zealand because I went with an organized trip to... Australia and had a like five hour layover in Auckland. Uh, so the first place I ever touched down outside the U S was in Auckland. I didn't see any of Auckland. I have never, I can't say I've been to New Zealand, but I did, I stopped in New Zealand on my way to, to Australia and spent my first, uh, month abroad, uh, there. And it was, it was life-changing, right? Like, and I, and I think I also like had that in me, I'd already like written in my like journal and, you know, things like I'm going to spend lots of time abroad. And, uh, like made some other sacrifices, I think to make it a possibility, um, because I just knew it was like, eh, this is going to be a core part of my, of this next chapter of life.
1: Yeah, totally. Totally. How did you know that? And it was going to be, uh, Spain in the end.
0: Uh, I, it was really funny. Like I came to Spain the first time on th- a three month, just like a 90 day tourist visa. Um, and you know, like random series of events, but just kind of like, Oh, I'm going to, okay, we're going to start in Spain. We were doing like a year to two year kind of like travel thing and, um, started our European journey in Spain and just landed there in the Costa del Sol, and was like, this is where you go when you arrive in Spain. Uh, so that's what we did. And then, but ended up like that was a short stint ended up, uh, like a year or two later finding, uh, as Americans, it's really hard to stay in Europe or it was for a long time. Um, beyond 90 days. And Spain had this visa, the non-lucrative visa, which I know you're familiar with, uh, that applied to me at the time because of my work at Duist. So that's really why it wasn't like necessarily dying to get to Spain. It was more like dying to get to Europe and Spain offered the entryway. And we also liked Spain already. We spoke a little bit of Spanish, wanted to learn more. So it all kind of like made sense. But I, I thought it was going to be a short stay. Like I thought we might be there one year. Now it's been five years. Um, so I've kind of fallen in love with the country.
1: Yeah, but I think that's also a good approach to see it, right? Because sometimes also I think people think if I go to live abroad, then I'll stay there the rest of my life, or at least I have to stay minimum three years because otherwise it's not worth it. And I think that's, that's really dangerous if you, if you have that sort of mindset, because I also said when I moved to Spain, although it was with my husband, obviously, I said, well, just go for three, four years and then he's happy again and then we're going to come back. Well, that never happened. But even now, hey, it could happen that maybe in a year or so, we'll just move back for a couple of years to Germany, right? So, what I really enjoy also is having the flexibility of, you know, deciding where you want to be. And I don't like to be like a permanent. a family in in Spain, but really have the flexibility um, to do so. And I think one important point is actually the job, obviously. So obviously you have to have a job, which also gives you the flexibility. Um, But I think it's really important to still know, hey, and if it doesn't work out, you can still go back or there's other places that you might want to go, right?
0: Yeah. I, I like thinking about it in terms of like chapters, like this is this chapter of life right now. And, uh, like I've temporarily left Spain for the last year and I'm traveling around a little bit, checking out some new places. And like, people will ask me like, Oh, are you moving here? Uh, you know, and I'm like not, you know, I'm not committing to anything right now. I'm, a, I'm in an exploration phase, but I've really enjoyed my time in Spain. People ask that also like, Oh, are you done with Spain? It's like, no, I'm just in this chapter, I'm doing a little bit of exploring, but you know, I, I, uh, I think we should like leave that. Like we, we have a lot of flexibility and options now. It's okay to embrace that. I think sometimes we're, we're still a bit unsure how to embrace that freedom, um, which I, I struggle with as, as well. So I totally get it.
1: Yeah, totally, totally. And I mean, we, we just bought, for example, we just bought an apartment and that's where, you know, um, my family was starting saying, "So you're gonna stay there forever?" I said, "No, but I mean, my kids were born here. Um, part of my family is here. My friends are here. So Seville's so definitely still, always going to be part of my life. So um, you know, and you can also rent afterwards. <laughs> um, yeah, that was sort of a sign for them. Okay, Car is not gonna come back anymore. Um.
0: <laughs> what well, as a, uh, I think it's really funny. We could probably have some fun with this. So like Germany and Spain are geographically speaking, relatively close. Um, you know, they're both EU countries, uh, same time zone, you know, like you can drive from one to the other if you need to, there's obviously flights and stuff between, but culturally they're, they're very, very different places. And like you as a German that's lived abroad for a decade now uh, and and has now spent a good percentage of that time in Spain. Me as an American that has been living in Spain for five years and just spent almost a year in Germany. I feel like like there are some stereotypical things that are true and untrue and there are some things that like totally might catch someone off guard and uh, I don't know, like what for you, I guess, as a, as a German living in Spain, like what are some, some things I guess that like jump out to you as being like starkly different between the two?
1: I think the, um, the main difference is really how Spaniards perceive life. Right. So I still think there's a big difference in terms of how Germans perceive also their work life and how Spaniards receive their work life it doesn't mean that Spaniards are lazy and they don't work. Yes, they do work a lot. But um, if you meet somebody here, a friend of a friend or whatever, you're not going to ask them in first place what they do, in their job. So you're going to straight away, you know, talk about other things. Um, not politics either but you're going to talk about other things and just get to know that person um, whereas when I go to Germany you know straight like second question is so what do you do for a living oh I do this so this is definitely something um that um still surprises me at some point how 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 and I also think that's people what people think it is and I think that's really true um and then what I also think is a lot different in Spain is, um, you know, the way you perceive family. So um, obviously, it's it's big families, but they're all from. At least it's from my husband's uh, part. You know, it's a big family. My mother-in-law has had seven sisters and brothers. My father-in-law has seven sisters and brothers. So you can imagine. I think my husband has like fifty cousins. Um, <laughs> it's, it's like crazy um but family is really you know the top priority no matter what and that is something that i really enjoy so my my parents are separated um i think almost all of my um my aunts and my grandmother all separated um you know uh, couples unfortunately um so this is something that i really enjoy that you really have a family um you have big birthday parties you have big christmases um, and that is something that has a really high priority, um, in Spain.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is, uh, I think that's largely an amazing pro, especially for someone, uh, in your position, like, you know, you've got that like family safety net in place by, by default. Uh, I've talked to some people, uh, I have an American friend who's married to a Spanish, uh, his wife is Spanish and he gets a little overwhelmed by it. Uh, it's like a little much for him sometimes. Like he's like, yeah, like you know, ask him, hey, do you want to meet up this weekend on Sunday? No, we can't. There's it, Sunday's family day. It's paella in the park, and we do that every single Sunday for the last 22 years. You know, and he's like, God, <laughs> and maybe a bit excessive there, but he, it it can be. I think it's worth acknowledging. Like for some people, it could be a little much. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and, and that's true. Eh? So, um, and I and I think it's also important thing when you adapt to a culture, you might adapt, but it doesn't mean that you have to change your entire schedule. And uh, you know, so I think it's also very important. At least that's what we try to do. We try to live a German-Spanish culture at home. Um, so, a couple of things that I value a lot that are very important for me in terms of cultural. We'll, we'll just do it at home, although we live in Spain, like um, the Easter bunny comes, just, you know, or uh, um, we have breakfast all together uh, during the weekend, which is something that Spanish people don't do, you know, they don't even have breakfast, like they just have a coffee and maybe a tostada, and that's it, off you go. Um, so I think it's also important that you sort of, especially with, uh, you know, a family with two different cultures, that you sort of find your, um, compromise or find your own culture what you're happy with uh because otherwise you're definitely not going to be happy if you have to be with a family every Sunday at the paella and you like doing something else
0: (laughs) absolutely I something else that uh you know like that that I think kind of related to that you mentioned the the approach to work and that was really good for me I mean I think Germans and Americans we um we were into that like class of cultures where work is like a very big part of our identity. And we talk about it a lot. We, we focus on it a lot. We, you know, we take a lot of le- a lot less time off generally. Um, and, and, and so moving to a place like Spain, uh, was like good for me. And like, a, it relaxed me. It, it taught me that you can still have a great life and probably even a better life without focusing so much on just like this one, spoke of the wheel and i don't know if that like was a positive thing for you that like actually changed you or if it was more like oh this is just the culture that i'm in now Um, but that's been like tangibly impactful for me
1: no totally i would i would sign that um and um it's it's a good mixture so i when i moved to Seville, i started working at a family-owned spanish um company big company as well so also like two thousand employees 400 million um, in revenue. And um, it had a very old fashioned culture. So it was like in the nineties, uh, the more you work, the better you are. Uh, whoever, you know, um, gets up and goes home first doesn't work. <laughs> um, so that was a real cultural shock for me um, because I came from, you know, a huge uh, employer, really flexible um, sort of working environment. Um, but then I was really surprised because then, um, I mean, they have, a, they have a good mixture because when they're out of work, then they're really out of work, right? Where I think sometimes in Germany or maybe also in the US, you, you might agree, um, you know, you have people only worrying about work and it's only work and that's where I wanna be successful. That's where I'm gonna be happy and, and that's it. And here I think they have a really good um, mixture between, hey, it's work. And if I'm not happy at work, doesn't matter because I have my family, I can enjoy life, I can go to the beach. And that really, I had to learn how to do that eh? because I came from like 60 hours of work a week and I want to be successful to, um, nobody talks about work here. <laughs> I don't even know what this guy does. Is he a lawyer or is he a doctor or, you know, um, and I think that's, um, and I think that's really good. I think that's really, really, a really a good mixture, but I certainly had to learn it. definitely.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We'll be right back to the show after a quick break for a note from our sponsor. Hey everyone, I am so excited to announce a new partnership with International Living. They are one of the leading organizations in the world helping people move abroad. And I actually got my start moving abroad via International Living when they inspired me to move to Ecuador many years ago. Long story for another day, but I will be teaching a course with the International Living team about moving to Spain, talking about some of the visa options available, and a little bit about why I have chosen to call this country home of all the places in the world. So you can learn more via the link in the show notes and get a specialized discount only available through the About Abroad affiliate link there in the show notes. Go and check it out, sign up, and I hope to see you there. If you've made it this far into the episode and you're still enjoying yourself, then I would love to ask a quick favor. Open up the app that you're using to listen to this podcast and leave a quick review. You can do this in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and really just about any platform that allows podcast listening now. If you can't find that in the interface of the app, then scroll down in the show notes and find ratethispodcast.com slash abroad, and you should be able to leave it from there. Thanks so much, guys. We really appreciate it and hope you enjoy the rest of the show. I was wondering, how do you speak to the kids at home? Is it a mixture of languages?
1: Yeah, so uh, my husband speaks Spanish with them and I speak German. Um, they're also, um, so here luckily we don't have daycare issues like um, you would have in Germany. I don't know if you've seen it also, but my LinkedIn is also full of uh, posts about uh, that the government is going to cut um, the um, the money for parents who earn above 150k so um here luckily we don't have so much help from the government but at least we have daycare so it's not like you have to uh, sign up for daycare once you're pregnant um that's not a problem and obviously they're at daycare and they speak spanish there but now from four years old they're going to also go to the german kindergarten and the german school um yeah which was uh also quite fun because a lot of people say, well, why are you gonna take them to the private German school? It's very expensive and, and you're gonna speak German to them anyway, so they're gonna be able to speak. And then we go back to the culture, right? Because for me, it's more a cultural thing um, because there they'll show them, you know, what other typical um, cultural festives there are in Germany. There's exchanges. You can be able to study in Germany once you finish school there. So, and that was, for example, a really, really important point for me. I want my kids to really take advantage of that. They have a German mother and a Spanish father to speak both languages perfectly. And also to know both cultures, right? And have that adaptability from the beginning. Because I also think that's something that some people here, especially in Andalusia, lack, lack in. Um, they are just, they're in civil when they go on holiday they go one hour drive to the beach every summer the same thing so they haven't really seen other cultures um and i think you miss out on it if you don't visit other countries like also in your personal development um and that's something definitely i i want to you know give to my kids that they have the opportunity to see everything that they want and be able to live in that culture that in the end they prefer and it might be New
0: Zealand, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure Mom would love that, right? Uh, <laughs> the tables have turned. Like all of a sudden, you're the mom. You're like, no, don't, don't go to New Zealand. I don't want you to love it there. Um, I, uh, you touched on so many things there that that are interesting to me. At first, I do think it's like such a superpower and advantage if you come from a multilingual household to just have that baked into your life that learning multiple languages is a uh, is just you know given to you basically. Um, so I think that's like such an advantage. And, uh, and, and so very cool that you guys are intentional about that. Um, the it's other thing you like,
1: like so no,
0: no, I, no,
1: <laughs> a lot of times, you know, because they understand when I speak German to them, but they would understand a lot better if I would yell at them in Spanish. <laughs> well, sometimes I have to, you know, tell myself, have patience, explain it in, in German. Um, they'll need to learn. So sometimes i also, you know catch myself speaking Spanish a little bit to them but in the end they get it they know that they're learning two languages and uh, I mean the other one even when we are in Germany for two weeks she speaks entire sentences which is great like speaks to my mother to my father to my brother um, and they, they get it um, but it's yeah it takes a, a little bit of patience as well and consistency
0: I get so pissed at these kids, man. I tell you, because I just spent 10 months in Germany and like, I can barely do some sentences. And I'm like, I see two year olds picking it up in no time. Like, God, what's wrong with me? <laughs> how's,
1: your, how's your German going?
0: It's terrible. I mean, I don't even say I speak German. Like I, I took a pretty lackadaisical approach to it while I was there. I, uh, I took two semesters of German in college because I did my study abroad in Austria. Um, so I did like a, a basic like intro to German um, for that experience. And, uh, but you know, that was a really long time ago, but there's some stuff back there, you know, like, like basic ordering food, counting, um, you know, like if I, if I have to, yeah, I can, I can survive. But like, uh, I don't like, you know, I'm not going to build any relationships in uh, in in German. And um, so anyway, I went in with huge intentions like we all do, right? Like I was like, oh, I'm going to get here. I was going to sign up for intensive courses. And I've got, I bought, uh, I love this, this Coffee Break Spanish, Coffee Break German, coffee, this podcast that gives you courses and homework and stuff. And so I went all in on that and like Totally burned out after like two months. <laughs> like, like I, uh, I just had too much on my plate, so kind of neglected it, which is really hard to do when you're like, you know, like quote unquote dedicated to this for myself, not for anybody else, and uh, kind of let yourself down. But it's fun. I, I just try to have fun with it.
1: Yeah, and also German's not easy. Yeah, so it's, uh, probably not starting with the easiest language, to be totally honest. I guess with Spanish, it's a little bit easier, no?
0: Yeah, totally. I think uh, Spanish, although like some of the, I think German is misunderstood to be much more difficult than it is. Like I think people hear it and they think it must be so drastically different, but there's a lot of cognate words that are like very similar to English words. And actually some of the sentence structure flows more similarly than in Spanish. Um, So some of it actually, after learning Spanish, I felt like, oh, actually German is kind of coming to me a, a little bit easier than I would have expected. Um, but no, it's not the easiest language to learn for sure as a, as a foreigner. And also you guys speak such good English. Like it's, uh, it's so, it's so cliche to say, but like, uh, yeah, it's, it was just like very, very easy to just be like, let's let's just do English. Yeah. <laughs> let's not struggle through this.
1: Things that don't happen here in civil. So the general, um, yeah, English skills are not uh, very good. Um, but yeah, I, I really struggled with Spanish, with the pronunciation because it couldn't, I couldn't roll the R. I was always saying like, gracias, and it sounded so German. And um, it's funny because my, my mother, she sings, so she's a music teacher. And I asked her, because she also sings sometimes, you know, opera songs, or used to sing it, don't think she sings it anymore. She's gonna listen now, she's gonna say, what the hell did you say that on the podcast? But, um, I know that she can roll the R, so I just asked her, said, or you just have to say dt 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 very quickly one after another and then all of a sudden it happened i was so proud i would finally roll the eye and say gracias instead gracias, of, gracias. <laughs> but, uh, that's the thing i most struggle with with uh spanish like the the pronunciation
0: yeah i uh it, it takes some time and it also really inhibits you in a lot of ways like i i some people even if you catch on to languages very quickly, it's still like, uh, it's such a core part of how we do things day to day. And it can really in like prohibit a lot of things, not just like, you know, getting the obvious thing done where you're forced to speak another language and you can, and it just doesn't happen, but like building relationships, you know, having humor, um, like it's, it, there's little things like that, that like collectively really kind of affect the, the abroad experience.
1: Do you have also then a Spanish friends then in, in Valencia where you live?
0: Yeah, yeah, I do. Like, uh, people will often ask me like, it's, I don't know if this happens to you when you go home, but, um, when I go back to the US, I get asked a lot, like, oh, you must be fluent in Spanish. And I'm like, I don't know exactly what fluent means because I have like, I, I feel totally comfortable in Spanish, but there's a lot of things I don't know how to say. There's words that will, I'll pop up and be like, I've never heard that before. There's a sentence structure that I just don't use or whatever. So, um, but I, that's how I define it. I'm like, look, I have friends that don't speak English and they're like real friends. So (laughs) I I don't know where that puts me on the fluency spectrum, but that's how I feel.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, totally. No, I get you. So I, I think I'm, so I speak Spanish with my husband, so I can have relationships in Spanish, is what I always say. But for example, watching a movie in Spanish is like too exhausting for me. I couldn't relax because I'd be all the time full pressure and tension. Um, and it's a lot different also because here they have a lot of dialect, you know, the young youth. And um, yeah, like... So you could say, yeah, fluent, What does it really mean, right? So you can have friendships. I can have uh, a good marriage, and that's
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's working on some level. Of um, yeah, something else you touched on earlier, which I think is is worth pointing out because Spain is a very popular country, especially like they're they're you know it's one of the most visited countries in the world. It's uh it's it's popular for a lot of reasons. They've just introduced the digital nomad visa, which a lot of people that listen to this show are interested in. Um, but what, something you mentioned earlier that I think is, is, uh, something I hear popped up amongst other expats and I know started to sort of have an effect on my wife and I after spending five years there. And there is, and, and I don't know, like we can cut it out if you're like, dude, I can't say that I'm married to a Spaniard, but, uh, but like there is a bit of a, a, a closed mindedness sometimes like Spain is the world in a way or something like that. And it's not explicit. It's not like people say that necessarily, but like you touched on, like it, things are done in a very like Spanish way. And it's a, and, and there's like a feeling that like you can do everything in Spain because there are amazing mountains and amazing oceans and different, I mean, you have like different cultures and dialects and and languages. And so there is a lot to see and do there. But one of the reasons that we kind of wanted to leave after a while and go for example, live in Germany for, for a year was because we were kind of craving the like multiculturalness of central Europe, where there are countries with different languages right up next to each other. And people do travel a lot and, and value those intercultural changes and not like, you know, there is just this one way to do things. And so I have no idea, like maybe I'm off base, maybe you haven't experienced that, but I picked up on a little bit of that and something you said earlier and wondered if, if, uh, you had any perspective
1: yeah, totally. I mean, um, it's 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 totally what you say. So like I said, right, Spanish people love their country, they love their culture, they love their food also. Um, so it gets very repetitive. And that's one point certainly I would totally agree with you, which can get a little bit boring for people like us who like, you know, to see new things, uh, travel, different cultures, different food. Uh, I'm dying to go to a good Italian. There's no good Italian in Spain. Um, So, um, and to be totally fair with you and totally honest, I had a point where I said, this pisses me off here. Like it's all Spanish. Um, The way I work around it is that I just, you know, travel. So um, we try to travel to different countries. Um, I try to go home to my parents also every now and then. Um, Take the kids with me or we go, you know, the four of us um, because I need that. I need a little bit of international, multinational, you know, surrounding um, because otherwise it would become too Spanish for me. I totally agree with you, totally.
0: Okay, good. I'm glad. I'm kind of glad I'm not alone, like uh, in that because you feel a little bit spoiled when you're like, I'm living in this amazing place, but this is kind of starting to piss me off a little bit. Like, that <laughs> uh, yeah, sounds uh,
1: strange, right? But um, I think that's also what I mentioned before with the um, with the ad- adaptability and the mindset. Like, um, you you can adapt to a certain culture, but I think once it it is out of your values, and with one of your values is that you want to, you know have diversity in your life and you want to learn things and see things and grow then um, I think you have to do something about it um, to be actually long-term happy abroad Um, and we also have like a a German sort of community here I've just joined them well after uh, seven years I'm here I've just joined them Um, but I mean it's good you know to connect with others that have the same sort of you know cultural background and and because in the end you're American, you're always going to be American. I'm German, I'm always going to be a German. And there is certain things that you just don't want to change, right? You always want to have them in your life. So um, yeah, and that's why I'm also very happy with my job at the moment because I can, you know, I can work from anywhere where I want to. So I could, you know, pick my laptop and just go three months to Germany or I go to the US or whatever. And um, I didn't have that flexibility when I was on my old employer, the Spanish employer. Um, so I think I've, I've taken a step forward in that sense. Um, but yeah, I totally, I totally agree with you. It can sound a little bit, um, arrogant, right? If you're in a beautiful place and then you say, yeah, but the, it's not all rosy, not all great.
0: <laughs> yeah. It, it, but it's totally fair too, because like, uh, like I think food is a good example here. So, uh I'll tell you a, a kind of funny story about being in Spain, but like, I've talked to people who lived in Japan and they're like, dude, I, I I'm obsessed with Japanese food, but like, I I can't do sushi anymore. You know, I'm uh, living in Mexico. Like I can't go do fajitas and tacos every day. Like I need something different. And it was really funny. Uh, we were in, uh, we were there in Valencia and about my wife and I had already been having this conversation about the food. We kept going to like Spanish restaurants and it's like the exact same menu at every single restaurant, like that same 10, uh, tapas and, yeah, we were, we were already kind of like having this conversation and we sat down with a Spanish friend who asked the waiter, like, uh, do you like, you know, obviously in Spanish, like, do you have patatas bravas? And my wife just kind of like flipped her shit a little bit. And was just like, of course they have patatas bravas. <laughs> you know, they have, you don't even have to ask, they have patatas bravas. And it was and like, he didn't understand. He was like, why did that make you mad? But it was, we had literally just been having the conversation, how it's like, yeah, they're gonna have patatas bravas. They're gonna have Russian salad. They're gonna have, uh, you know, the the hamon uh, and whatever. And it was it was hilarious. So anyway, it's it's fun. Like you gotta have fun with these things. I think when you when you live abroad, because there will be things that you didn't even realize will annoy you, and they just will at some point.
1: Do- totally. And same as for example, I get tired sometimes of tapas because then you have to share, right? And I got sort of into the mood that I don't want to share my because then it's typically the, the plates in the middle and then you don't know if I pick two now or three is that too much or should I only pick one or if there's one left am I allowed to take it um, so what I usually look forward to when I go to gyms I have my own plate you know and nobody's going to put their fork into it um, and just my plate and then I also know what I eat and I'm not just you know um, sharing uh, tapas all the time with everybody <laughs>
0: That is 100% true. It's like, uh, there's this like math going on in your head. Like you can, the the Spanish are not doing that math. They're not looking at the, they're not counting how many patatas bravas you had. Um, but in my head, I'm like, I've had three and there's 12 and there's four people. I'm like (laughs) thinking that I've got to like do this equitably. And, um, and it comes back to the way they approach life. It's like, it's not that way. And it's as core as that. Like they don't you know, they're not doing the, uh, the, the math to make sure that everything's equally done. It's like just muy, muy tranquilo and like, just go about it however they want. And I, I love that.
1: Yeah, totally. No, I totally agree.
0: What do you, what do you miss about Germany? Um, because I have some things on my mind that I really came to love about Germany, especially in comparison to Spain. And, uh, so I can share those with you if you want, but I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, like, what do you, uh, what do you miss about home?
1: Um, so obviously it would be, you know, family and friends. Um, I think that's very obvious. Um, I think because Seville is so Spanish, not like Madrid and Barcelona, maybe, you know, sort of the, the international lifestyle. And I, also, I sometimes feel here in Seville that a little bit behind things, like when it comes to technology. I also thought that when I was the other employee, when it came to you know the job, um so I feel like a little bit like I'm 10-15 years behind um and that sometimes annoys me a little bit because I feel like I'm missing out um and when I come to Germany and I see all those e-cars and I don't know and this is new and this is new I'm like oh my god you know there's no e-car in Seville um so that sometimes for me is a little bit um, bothering at sometimes, times, um, but uh, yeah. And then I guess also some cultural things like the um, time schedule to be totally honest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, um I, I like to go to bed early. I'm a morning person. Now uh, I've been living here seven years. I have so much struggle getting up in the morning because everything's just so late here. Um, and that I sometimes also miss, uh, you know, my, my German schedule.
0: Yes. (laughs) I came to love, I realized that I loved the German schedule as soon as I got out of Spain. Like it's, it really is a funny thing, right. About Spain. It's only in Spain. Like, like they, they do things very, very late. And my Spanish friends think it's hilarious that like me as an American that I eat dinner at seven. And they're like, oh, well, we eat dinner at 10. Like, what, you guys are crazy. I'm like, no, no, you are the crazy ones. Like, nobody else in the world does this. Like, if you go right next door to France and Germany, and they're going to eat at the same time as me. So you're the weird ones. Um, but I I found out, like, I, you know, living in Spain for five years, I realized I got used to that. That was just the way things were. And then when I got to Germany, um, I was like, oh, my God, I'm, like, going to bed. Like, my body naturally fell into that like, I was like, Oh, I'm going to sleep at the quote unquote, right time. I'm eating dinner at the right time. I'm waking up at the right time. Uh, this feels good.
1: (laughs) And I mean, even having a schedule, right. So uh, I had to get really used to it. Like we're going to meet for lunch. And then I was like, yeah, but lunch here is like from one to four. So when are we going to meet? It's like Cara, we're going to meet at lunch. Right. So, you know, um, I think it got a little bit better due to the pandemic. Because now you actually have to do reservations at the restaurants, which wasn't the case beforehand. Uh, So it got a little bit better. At least you have to reserve a table and then you go there and you meet for a certain time. I'm always the first one. But nevertheless, at least there's some kind of half an hour time frame when you're going to meet and not four hours. Um, But yeah, definitely uh, schedule something um, that I really, you know, I really appreciate, I it got a little bit better also when you have kids, because you know that when you have kids, you have to have a certain routine, um, just because it's easier than to handle kids if they have a routine, but yeah, the eating at 10 at night or having lunch at 5. PM still struggle <laughs> uh,
0: on the, on the flip side of that. Something that I found that was getting on my nerves in Germany, uh, after living in Spain was, and I, and I get this in the U S as all as well. Um, the rigidity in the schedule is like, uh, so like if I wanted to meet up with a friend that I, from Germany, it was like, let's pull out our phones. Let's look like one to two weeks in advance. We'll send a calendar invite for a strict one hour block, uh, where we're going to meet and have lunch. And like, I'm not exaggerating on any of that. Uh, like that was, it was like, you're looking like two weeks in advance and you're firmly scheduling it. And, the the Spanish way, as you just described, it was like, uh, 30 minutes more like, you know, we want to meet for lunch now. Like we, we got two, three, four hours. We'll figure it out. Uh, let's we'll just go to the first place that we see right then and there. Okay. And it's like, and then you don't know how long you're going to be there. And, um, and so that got a little bit like, like tough for me. I was like, oh, but can we just go get lunch like now or tomorrow or meet up for our drinks after work or something? Uh, but it was, it was not really possible. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And that's it. Right. So it's, it's probably the good balance that you want to have, um, between the two, a little bit organized, but also not too strict. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think there's a, there's a good balance there. One of the things that I really came to appreciate though, about living in Germany and you, you touched on this with like the e-car, um, and kind of like being ahead or behind the times a little bit, like, um, getting to Germany is extreme, is known for being like efficient and like things work. Right. Um, but they are really ahead of the game in terms of like sustainability, environmentally friendliness, you know, like, um, we had, we kind of had like neighbors that were super annoying about recycling the trash properly, uh, the proper receptacle for every little thing. But it was like, that's baked into the culture. Like it was like, that is very, very serious. Um, which is not the same in, in, uh, in Spain for sure. So like that, you know, the thinking about the future, putting in place like a lot of solid infrastructure that really works and supports that way of living. Um, the restaurants, like everybody's on board with that. And I, that was a really kind of like nice environment to be in.
1: Yeah, totally. And uh, I guess it would probably also be uh, a huge difference between Madrid, Barcelona, maybe, you know, I think Valencia is also I think the third biggest uh, city in, in Spain, right? So, and I think they're also quite... Up front but Seville is like is very very Spanish so yeah uh, yeah
0: <laughs> Seville is like the Spanish city I feel like it's like this is like the epitome of it Spain it's
1: where, the, it's where the Spanish October 1st is have you have you been there or no. Been no
0: no so no what is this?
1: A, it's a, it's called Feria and uh, it used to be a horse market but uh, now it became you know like a, a huge uh, fair where you have um, all those uh, little tents. So it's not like big tents, like you'd have in Munich at the Oktoberfest, but it's like small tents and they're all private. So you have to have an owner or a member of that tent to be able to actually um, enter the tent. And everybody's just dressed up in flamenco dresses and there's horses. And it's a really, really cool um, event, I have to say. And um, you should definitely come next year. Yeah.
0: So is that like the, uh, like a lot of towns and cities throughout, uh, Spain have their version of the feria, but this is like the original one.
1: That's the original one.
0: Yeah. Ah, cool. I've been to one in Cordoba, not too far from you and, uh, in in Malaga and oddly in the town of Jaen.
1: So can you also dance Sevillanas? Did you see that? Or did you try uh, it?
0: I cannot dance anything, much less Siviana, But did you learn?
1: Yeah, so I went to a course with my mother-in-law. Uh, I think around six years ago, and it was quite fun because um, they. So it's like it has four sets, and they're all the same, and everybody dances the same dance, and it's really nice to to look at, to be to be honest. And um, you have certain steps that you need to do, and we were concentrating on the steps. I think it was like a five-week course or something like that we're doing like four weeks intense to step here step here then you turn around then you change da, da, da. and then the last week we came to do the hands you know how you have to do the movement of the typical flamenco dresses with the um, the wrists and everything and um, i got so frustrated because when i joined the last uh week just before one day before the last class a friend of mine spanish said Cara, don't worry about the the steps the most important is the hands. <laughs> I was like, oh no! Why? I just learned four weeks of steps, and now I'm just going to learn the hands now. Um, because the flamenco dresses are so big, so your your feet are always covered. I mean, obviously you need to know when to turn around and things like that. But um, so I was only looking at the hands. So um, yeah, but it's it's a cool dance. It's actually um, quite nice to learn.
0: Oh yeah. It's beautiful. I mean, it's, uh, i am always very, like, I'm very impressed when I see people doing it. And I always feel like this is like, like you have to be born Spanish to be able to do this. <laughs> so look at you. That's, that's pretty amazing. Are there any, um, I would like to get to in a moment your, what you guys are doing, uh, in your, in your work. Cause I think that's also very applicable to, um, the audience here, but is there anything else like just coming from the standpoint of a expat, you know, someone who's moved abroad, raised a family abroad, um, you know, whether it be specific to Spain or more general, um, anything else like you want to share? And I, I asked this because like you, obviously you share a lot of really good content on your LinkedIn for people who are looking to move abroad, looking to move to Spain. Um, so I've loved a lot of that and we'll link to your, to your, uh, LinkedIn in the show notes so people can follow along. But, um, I just wanted to make sure I asked, like we we've talked about quite a bit, But is there anything that we kind of missed that you would want to pass along to people?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, um, I started sharing, uh, things on, on moving abroad on LinkedIn and, and a couple of people came up and asked me if I could give them some advice and things like that. And I think one important thing I always say it's because a lot of Germans think, oh, I moved to Spain and everything's perfect. Well, it's not. And I think we already talked about the differences. And it's also different when you go there for a holiday than if you actually live and work there. So I would definitely recommend if they have the opportunity to do it is live there for maybe a couple of months, three to four months before you actually start uh, to make the decision or you know do the big move um, because it's a lot different, right? Um, you have to get your own balance between work and private life. Um, you're not there on holiday. You're going to be there in the, your, your routine, Um, And I think that's some advice I would definitely give to somebody who's looking to move to Spain, you know, go there for a couple of months, see also which neighborhood you would like, uh, what your, you know, work would look like, can you maybe work for your German employer, whatever it is, or for your American employer in Spain, you have to look for a new job. So I think that's definitely one advice I always give.
0: Yeah. I think that's really good advice. I, I've kind of found actually like, uh, someone act, actually just asked me this yesterday. They said, how long does it take for you to feel settled in a new place? And I think it's almost a year, um, for like, and that seems like a really long time. Like for a lot of people, when you tell them like, you're going to get, I know the first time I came to Spain, I I've got my, I've got three months. That was like an eternity in my mind. Like I've got all the time in the world. Um, but now like I've, I've really recognized like my, I ended up being in Germany this time for, for 10 months, I think. Um, and it was just about the time that I was leaving that I was like starting to make real friends, you know, like starting to like have plans to go meet up with people and, um, like feeling settled in my social activities, knowing where things were getting a little bit comfortable with the language, like that stuff takes time. And, um, and so, you know, giving yourself that time and understanding that that first year, uh, might, you know, might feel a little rough at times, but if you're, if you're committed to it and, and you, you know, that going in, that could, I think that can be a helpful vantage point to have stepping into it.
1: Yeah, totally. And I felt the same when I lived in New Zealand. So The plan was to stay there a year and I then prolonged to a year and a half and finished school there. And just when I had to go like after one year and a half, I was like, oh no, now i really feel home here. You know, I have my friends, I have my hockey club, I have my uh, my then boyfriend, uh, you know, I know where everything is. I know where my favorite cafe is. I would know what I'd like to live. So yeah, it, it definitely um, takes time. But then I think it also goes back again to what we said before. Not, nothing is for for permanent reason, right? Or for, for um, how do you say, forever. Nothing yeah, nothing is, for is forever. Time. Um, you, you know, you're flexible to, to move around, but, um, yeah, I feel like a lot of people are so, um, unhappy with Germany that they just want to go, but then they maybe go a little bit unplanned and don't really know, Hey, it's not the same when you go on holiday and then you actually live there.
0: Yeah, totally, totally agree. Um, I can't tell you how many people said to me in Germany, uh, Like my plan wasn't to go there. I I planned to go for three months, ended up extending to 10 months for like a variety of reasons. Um, A lot of it had to do with like visa stuff, actually. But I was also enjoying my time there very much. Like I had everything there in Freiburg that I didn't have in Valencia, um, starting with some of the things that we talked about. Some of the annoyances that we were having with Spain was like fixed by going to Germany and getting the opposite of that. Um, Another one was like we were there living in Freiburg, which is like the Schwarzwald, like beautiful forest and mountains and green. I always joke like I missed green living in Valencia and like we had lots of green all around us. Um, But I had so many people in Germany be like, like verbatim just say like, what? you moved from Spain to Germany. We always go in the other direction. Germans go to Spain. And what are, you, what are you doing here? Like, what's wrong with you? I was like, it's beautiful here. You got a lot going for you. Stop.
1: Yeah. it's it. You never you, you appreciate what you have, right? Until you don't have it. So
0: that's it. Yeah, that's totally it. Um, well, it's a, a slight transition, but I am very curious because you talk about like, you know, going and spending these three months in places and um, you know, getting a feel for uh, a place and now something that's so accessible to all of us that have remote work, location independence. A lot of people that listen to this show are either aspiring to have that or, or have that already. Um, and you guys, uh, I'll, I'll let you kind of introduce where you work and what you do, but you guys are making workations happen, which is like one of my favorite words in the world uh, now. So um, having returned from just a, a workation myself, I'm a big fan of this Uh, so yeah, can you shed some light on, on this aspect of your life as well?
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, I work at a, or in a startup, uh, which is called Workflex, and, uh, we do actually more than workation by now, but I'm going to focus on the, on the workation part and tell you also then what we do. So what we have is a tool, um, that supports employers to manage, uh, what you so-called workations or temporary work from abroad because it has some compliance risks to it. So it's not so easy to implement such a benefit as an employer, it's possible, but it's not um, so easy. And yeah, we are around one and a half years old by now, have over 100 clients, um, quite some big clients, well-known clients as well, well well-known logos. And um, yeah, so uh, it's a big topic at the moment, workations. We don't like to call it workations because sometimes we think, um, people think that's just like, you know, I go to the beach and take my love, but, but, I don't actually work and it actually has a lot to do also with situations like you and I have, I'm going to visit my family that lives abroad. Um, so you, for example, going to the U S <clears throat> or visiting your friends in Germany. So yeah, that's mainly what we do enable locations for hopefully many, many employers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what else are you guys doing? Cause that's, uh, that's like, if you're, if, that is one part of it. And actually, let me explain real quickly for someone like why if they're wondering, like, why is this a thing? Like you can't just take your laptop and go. Like there are we don't need to go too deep into it on on this show, but like essentially there are compliance issues. If I, for example, am a US employee, but I'm working in uh let's in Spain, like, well, what happens uh like what happens if I get hurt while in Spain? Who's responsible? Should the US be should my US company be paying taxes? in in spain or in the us and how do we divide the percentage up and so this is a a big topic of conversation in the future of work movement right now and um something you guys are obviously trying to solve
1: yeah exactly so um you just pretty much uh, summed it up quite well so um there's a different compliance risk so what could happen worst case is that for example let's say i Um, Go abroad. I have my payroll in Spain, but I go to Germany and the the worst thing that could happen is, for example, that I create a permanent establishment for my employer, so they would really have to set up uh, an establishment in Germany just for one employee, and there's other risks like uh, social security, labor law, wage tax, uh, visa and immigration, so very unsexy topics, and the, the issues that mainly this topic lies with an HR or people manager who would like to allow their employees to go abroad. Um, and that's why usually you, you would need some kind of experts who, who help with it. So we have an entire compliance team. And I mean, you know, the leader of the compliance team, Peter, we've, we, um, uh, he's, he's the main expert there. And um, yeah, that's mainly the reason. So the, it has some restrictions also to it. Um, you have to assess the compliance risk. You have to have certain documents to actually uh, make it uh, an enjoyable benefit.
0: So the reason I think this is relevant to bring up here, there's various reasons, but um, a lot of people who are listening to the show will write in and say something like, uh, hey, I know we can make remote work work at our company, but um, my employer thinks not uh, for various reasons. This is one of those reasons, compliance. uh, And so I think it's really interesting to, to, you know, if your dream is to live abroad and this is what's been prohibiting you, you have a viable option here. Um, We'll, we'll put the link to the uh, to, to the, uh, webpage in the show notes. So you can go and, and learn more and share that. But, um, I think it is very, very much so like one of those cutting edge topics that once we get some of this solved, then it opens up the door for people to have that chance to, to move abroad, whether it be for one month, three months, a year or lifetime, like this is, these are the kinds of things we have to solve. So I love that you guys are doing that.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And I guess it also has to, um, it has some kind of cultural change to, to some companies, right? So, I mean, at um, Duas, you're probably also very flexible. I mean, you work for doers and you live in Spain, um, but there's still other employers. Um, I think what came to really to my biggest surprise was Adidas, for example, really cool logo, really cool brand. Well, they only allow people to work 10 days from abroad, right? They have a really office-driven culture still. Um, So there is still some work to do within the German, you call the Mittelstand, um, you know, of that cultural change, and they'll need some time. But to become a competitive employer, there's no way around it. You'll have to have a look at it because um, it's one of the most important benefits to employees, to workers, um, flexibility, work at my hours. I want to work, work in the country or in the place I want to work. So, yeah, as you say, it's definitely a very relevant topic.
0: Yeah, I've seen that they uh, there's some statistics that show that people value this, this ability, as much as a seven percent raise. So like, imagine whatever your salary is, and someone said, "Hey, you can either have a seven percent raise, or you can be able to do workations, work from wherever you want." We have that system in place to allow that. Um, about fifty percent of the people you ask would choose the the workation flexibility. So like, that's that's pretty huge. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's important to, to take this seriously. So, um, for employers out there <laughs> listening, uh, you know where to go and for the employees wishing for the location independence, you also know where to go. Um, Kara, this has been are you awesome.
1: To, are you allowed to do, uh, uh, at Duist?
0: Uh, yes. Yeah. We, uh, we are completely maybe too uh flexible <laughs> on uh on on allowing this sort of thing. But we've um but yeah we do we do allow it. Great. Great. Yeah. Yeah it's uh kind of baked into our way of working. <laughs> um but I think I think the big thing is like we've been doing this for we're, at Dois, we're a little bit weird because we've been doing this for a long time. So we've had the systems in place if and evolve from for 15 years. Whereas like a lot of companies are going from completely office space to, okay, we're completely remote. And now our employees on top of that don't just want to not come into the office. They also want to go abroad and work. And so they've got a lot of things to figure out.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, well, Kara, this has been awesome. I, uh, I loved going back and forth a little bit on Spain and Germany and hearing some of your perspectives, of course, love the, uh, The naughty word workation uh and and what you guys are doing there uh so i just appreciate you sharing your time and experiences and um while people are listening again we'll put these links in the show notes but where can people go to find learn more about you learn more about what you guys are doing professionally um all the above
1: yeah so uh certainly linkedin so just look up uh, in my name or click on the link in the show notes uh happy also you know if anybody has questions you can just reach out feel free to to write a message and then uh for Workflex would be uh getworkflex.com, um where you can find more information around that topic
0: awesome awesome all right cool well uh thank you so much uh look forward to chatting again soon enjoy your holidays and uh and uh and sunny spain perfect Thanks for tuning in today from wherever you are in the world. Once again, I'm Chase, and this has been another episode of About Abroad. For those of you wondering how you can best support the show, I have made it super simple for you. Just go over to the show notes of the episode that you just finished listening to and click on one of the two following links. Aboutabroad.com newsletter to get our monthly newsletter. No spam, guaranteed. Or ratethispodcast.com aboutabroad, where you can quickly and easily leave a review for the show. It's not just important to me, it also helps more wanderers just like you find us. Finally, don't forget to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice, and we will see you again next week. Thanks again. Hasta luego, amigos.